This is the Boston Podcast, sponsored by Intel. Visit www.boston.co.uk. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Boston's Podcast. Uh, joining me today is Andrew Addison, the senior technologist here Hello at there. Boston. Hello, everyone. And today we're going to be kind of addressing an interesting topic around intelligence everywhere, or the question could be, is there intelligence everywhere? So the emerging trend now that we're seeing um, within IT is edge computing. Edge computing, you know, is a hot topic at the moment and something that we want to discuss on one of these podcasts and is of interest to many different people, uh, many different organizations uh, and various different business segments. But it's potentially coming to the forefront because we're seeing also other trends that are also driving a more distributed compute model. You know, historically, a lot of compute processing has been done in the cloud or in centralized infrastructure locations. But now we're, we're seeing the exact opposite of that trend and it now becoming more distributed, more spread out. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, the emergence of 5G is, is one of them. Also, the explosion of data through things like IoT devices. So what is the edge? Where is the edge is a, is a great question. What classifies as an edge, shall we say, environment? And that's kind of something we want to talk about today with Andrew. Andrew, just to kick things off, when you think about edge computing, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? I suppose the first question is why? Why, why is it significant? And I think you need to address and think about the drivers behind it. So now you've got a high amount of throughput. People are using their mobile phones everywhere. They want that data quick and they don't really want to wait for it either. So there's this idea of, of latency. So it's not really an interest to connect to a data center that's uh, 150, 200 miles away. You're gonna, you're gonna feel a bit of a lag there. And also you need to have quite a high bandwidth everywhere. Now, again, if you just had this one data center that's serving everyone, you'll find out very quickly, even if it's the most monstrous thing you can imagine, there's not gonna deliver what you're gonna need. So I think as hardware's got cheaper and smaller and connectivity's got a bit easier, it's a bit easier to bring the data center to the people rather than people dialing into the data center. So um, yeah, that's the kind of thing. So what was traditionally seen as seen as edge was where you want to do a lot of number crunching very near you. And now it's, it has to be lots of small pockets, I think, really. I mean, that's my take on it. Yeah, I, I think you're, you're, you're spot on there. I mean, with the billions of electrical devices that are now being produced and put being put all over our cities, all over our uh, factories, you know, it, it basically invading every area of, of life, um, social life, but also bus business life, right? And, op and business operations, um, you know, with the view that those devices are there to to, to pull the function and they're not just dumb dumb devices anymore, right? Oh, they no. actually uh, are, in, are intelligence and have intelligent capabilities. And it's, it's one of these things that everyone's thinking, okay, how can we bring that intelligence closer to A, where the data is being generated, but also to people that are cons consuming it, right? And they think, 
one of the, the key areas that have has shine a, a spot uh, or shown a spotlight on this is the autonomous driving right the cars they're, they're generating you know vast amounts of data right through mm -hmm. their their cameras and all the sensors in the car and you can't take that amount of data and send it back into the cloud it would just be impossible by the sheer absolute magnitude of it right that's, ab that's absolutely right i mean also when you think about it as your car is traveling down the country or whatever and it's and it's passing information there are some open standards uh, which hopefully all become standard where cars are warning each other and even communicating with each other about things there's some standards associated with it which are the the names that escape my mind at the moment but you can imagine as they're driving along they're switching from data module data center to data center backwards you know and forwards and so on and so forth and not only are the cars traveling a lot the data's traveling a lot too and there's lots of challenges to do with networks and, in, and intelligent routing of the data for different areas and i suppose this is um, quite significant when you start thinking of 5g when these bandwidths are so high and everything so near that it, it to have them optimally send the data around is quite a challenge which i know is a little bit of a segue on, on what we're discussing but you know if you start thinking about it how do you manage to administer it and how do you manage to you know know that one car is next to another and where does that data sit so it's not only the cars hopping around it's the data too yeah and, and you hit on a good point um we're not just talking about data about ones and zeros here right we're talking about image data as well which is notoriously large file format and sending that those types of or those data types across long distances you know is going to be cost prohibitive and hugely occur a huge amount of latency right yeah i mean it depends on the uh, obviously you, with your encapsulation because video normally is obviously a stream of sound and video with time codes as too so i mean there are lots of protocols out there already as everyone knows it's 264 265 with varying levels of, of quality certain details or, or certain formats of data require certain volumes associated with it so some basic recognition of of an object being a car or whatnot maybe uh, not that high or a lidar information from a lidar on a car for anti-collision they're generally done in a combination of a series of different types of inputs to work out uh, the proximity of you to say someone walking across a road or something like that maybe just even jaywalking who knows and of that there might be some salient pieces that you need to pick out of it but yes there's a very very varying amount of huge amounts of data and that nothing else just a car right what if you have thousands of cars in a in an area a few two square miles how do you move that data around? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not just one car anymore, but it's it's thousands of cars. And I think, uh, you know, Tesla in particular has kind of shown us how a car can be turned into and actually turned into a, a, a data producing giant. And it's clearly doing a lot of processing in actually in the in the computers of the car, right? Because it's, uh, I don't know if you've ever driven one, but it, uh, it it reacts to cars coming on your left, cars coming on your right. It, the, the the cameras and and sensors are constantly scanning the peripherals to to anticipate any dangers, right? Especially in front of you, so you don't get too close to the car in front of you. So all those sensors 
um, combined are just creating vast amounts of data that need to be processed either in the car and then you know or or nearby. Um, so that's kind of what we're what we're what we're facing. And if we then expand it into other use cases, you know, that very much would depend on speed, right, and accuracy, um, and where latency is a huge issue. So if we thought about a scenario where, um, if the police were looking for a, a missing child, right, and cameras in and around the city in cars. Uh, on telephone telephone poles, you know, um, on buildings, you know, could all be, you know, potentially capturing data or images of the people around it. And if they were intelligent enough and they could process it there, they could actually be, you know, scanning for images of this uh, this lost ch lost child, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, I think that is kind of where. Um, things could happen very quickly, and speed and efficiency and intelligence would would really matter. That's true. I mean, I suppose like to just sort of take our lens out a bit further out, or focus in or out, whatever you want to call it. I mean, in, in the general pictures, this push for the industrial Internet of Things. I'm sure everyone at home uh, must have been using an Internet of Things somewhere. They might be using um, uh, Hive, you know, control their central heating. Uh, maybe even push some information out from their house, you know, uh, at varying, varying levels of uh, varying levels of, of of data that you would have there. Um, but actually, industrial uh, uh, in, industrial Internet of Things um, is an also another means to do things like uh, in factories, where the massive use cases there, where you might have a series of sensors uh, on a series of machines that you have. You don't want those machines to stop. You can use them in terms of uh, predictive maintenance uh, to make sure that you've got the new part just in time. So when you do need to put that part in uh, to your paper mill or whatever you have, you don't have to time. You do not have to have it shut down for any serious amount of time to affect your profits. And I think that's one of the big things on this. There are lots of savings, both economically and improvement socially, that can happen uh, just just through these particular things. People want it person who wants to switch off their central heating because they've decided to go on holiday for a weekend or forgotten to do so or control the lighting uh, to the um, to the company that wants to make sure that they can keep on making the products to the profit it's quite quite fascinating yeah it is and you know I think when it comes to you know intelligent devices in the in the home right it kind of it's a nice segue into okay now now that we've kind of established that, you know, there's really strong use cases for, you know, pushing intelligence out to kind of edge locations, right? Mm -hmm. um, now it comes down to, okay, how, how do we secure it? How about privacy and security, right? Because I think if you can imagine, you know, hackers are getting more and more sophisticated, right? And they're even, you know, been able to, you know, steal quite sophisticated um, cars, you know, by you know spoofing the credentials, and I believe it was actually they used uh, digital twins, if I wasn't not mistaken, yes. to be able to basically clone it, and and then they're able to take take it over, and uh, and steal the car. But if you can imagine um, uh, a hacker 
being able to, um, I guess, I don't know what the right um, terminology is, but sniff into a, into a private network, right? Or get into uh, your, yours and mine's Wi-Fi. Um, or snoop, snoop, there we go. Well, snooping, um, sniffing, snorting. I mean, they, they do have pairing. I mean, air snorts is a sniffer that's, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, that's the way you want to look at it, sniffing, really. Sniffing data. Um, yeah but actually able to look into kind of our network traffic, right? And kind of try to work out um, if we're home or not, right? Or if we've gone away on, on, on holiday, right? If the heat is really on a, on a low setting, right? That oh, for a longer period of time, they and they're and kind of monitoring it over over several days or, or weeks, right? And they work out that where we've gone away, then that's the perfect opportunity for them to come in and uh, potentially uh, burglar. So, I think with with every advancement we take in um, kind of the intelligent edge and and utilizing the data and producing the data, um, there's always that that million dollar question of okay, how do we put the appropriate controls and security controls in place to to protect us all? Yeah, that's true. I mean, it, it's sort of it's now got to the point where okay, and the and the TCP stack there's been uh, known vulnerabilities where people can attack with a man in the middle. So if you go and start to do a connection, it could be intercepted through snooping and so forth so that you can basically jump in the middle of an interaction and start soaking up data because ultimately that data that flies around on, on the internet is something you can look at. There are other ways of, of locking it down so you don't have to rely on uh, a, a, on an authentication process uh, where you can actually monitor the entire channel itself, uh, like passwordless authentication. There are also ways of locking down actually on your internet of things, the identity of the device itself and make sure that uh, you're not talking to anything else in between. There's quite a powerful range of counterattacks for these things. But also one of the classic ones is your denial of service attack. So as you can imagine, as more and more of your instruments and implements and tools get online, they're going to be more and more susceptible to being attacked, vectored attacks. And this is this is one of the current challenges that uh, people face day to day. I mean, uh, how many times have you seen websites go down and people trying to crack information out of a main corporate site? So it's a bit of a warfare going on there. Definitely. And I think what we're seeing you know, major transformations in how people are dealing with things like credentials, protection of credentials, you know, the whole single sign-on movement, because, you know, once you bring a device, you know, online, it's it's potentially vulnerable if it's not uh, if it's not protected. And it's, oh, it's great being connected to the internet and being connected to a network and being able to make that device intelligent to a, to a degree. But uh, there is a lot of work still to be do, especially in, you know, in the consumer space, right? In helping them secure their devices. Mm. And then even in areas like health data, health data is hugely sensitive. And normally those types of institutions can't take advantage of, 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 of cloud computing and because of the sensitivity of, of the data. So the more innovations that kind of happen uh, at, the, at the edge, uh, I think the more that those types of organizations, those health kind of orientated, those, those hospitals, those research labs, those pharmaceutical companies are gonna be able to benefit 
from that uh, that processing and that intelligence, you know, closer to where they're working and also where the devices are generating data from. Yeah, but and also this, I mean, one of the big drivers as well is the opportunities that can be had from uh, freeing up being having, having information moved around. So if you can have some good guarantee of the security of data being sent about, you may be able to centralize some, some type of service for testing, or you may be able to create some, some economy. So for instance, in the NHS in the UK, you could sort of manage things so it's not repeated in every single hospital, for instance. Um, there, there are many different ways of, of looking at it. So not that it's, you have to rule out the total need to make sure the security is correct, which uh, there's an industry around there. But once you know that you've got the information going from A to B, there's a lot of good stuff for the betterment of people. Also in terms of uh, epidemiology and working out uh, illnesses and histories and stuff like that. And also this needs to be factored in with GDPR regulations to protect the individual's identity. But at the same time, the information could be good for the benefit of everyone, even across countries. It's quite, quite an exciting space, actually. Yeah, it is. And I think we're going to see it continue to evolve and emerge and the use cases and the technology supporting those use cases continue to, to grow uh, as well, because I know we encounter them potentially on a, on, a, on a weekly, daily basis, new technologies that are coming out that can make significant impact on anyone processing and moving data, especially any of any volume. Mm. So, well, Thanks again for, for, for joining the podcast. Andrew, thanks for your contributions. Thank um, you. We've, uh, I think we've run out of time for this podcast. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Um, we look forward to hearing you on the next podcast. Thank yeah. you for now. Bye-bye. This podcast was sponsored by Intel. Improve data center efficiency and reliability to handle any workload with Intel Xeon Scalable Processor Family, Intel Optane DC Persistent Memory, and Intel SSD data center family. Boston are also proud supporters of Intel One API, a unified programming model to harness the power of diverse computing architectures. For more information, visit boston.co.uk. 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 Boston